Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. I want to read to you where we left off, and it said uh, in 2 Timothy 2.20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Prepared for every good work. Good work that has already been created by the Creator. Good work prepared for His children to walk in. And now, what this is saying, and we're not going to go in a ton of depth, in depth with it, but. There were some in the church that were being vessels of dishonor. They were spreading a false gospel. They were creating dissension. They were shipwrecking the faith of some because of what they were teaching. And he's talking in the context of church gathering that we have a choice to be a vessel of honor or dishonor. And dishonor does not, the defining trait of that, you know, is someone that is not falling in line with the true and pure gospel of the Lord. That is spreading dissension, that, that is spreading lies, that is, that is spreading gossip, that is doing a lot of things that could, that could disrupt. Man, we've been talking a lot about unity, right? That part of our growth as believers is being attached to a body because that's where we get to work out our gifts and work out the love of Christ that is in us. And it's a love that is distinctly different from the love that is found in the world or in ourselves. It's a love that says, Jesus said, love as I have loved. It's a sacrificial love. It's a counterintuitive love. But this is where it can exist and be received. But many were choosing not to fall in line with this. And it was creating a lot of problems. But what Paul was reminding people of and Timothy of is that you are a vessel of honor. You have been created as a vessel of honor, prepared. He has prepared works for you to walk in. I want you all to hear that, every single one of you. Just to reiterate before we move on, you have to believe. You have to believe because of the promises of God that you are a vessel of honor and that there are good works for you to walk in. And as you pursue Jesus, as you pursue his word, as you apply his word, you become prepared for those works because without the spirit of God being present in your life, you won't really be able to see them because it takes the spirit of God to accomplish them. So we have to start again with the knowledge of God created you for a reason and a purpose. And second is, there is free will. But our free will will be exercised upon the conviction that you are a vessel of honor. You see what I mean? Your convictions determine your decisions. 
And so if you don't see yourself like that, you see what you do here doesn't matter. It's what you do in private. It's what you do when you're out there, maybe with another group of friends. It's, it's what you say and do when you're just alone or with your wife or the girlfriend or boyfriend. You see what I mean? If you are not convicted that you are a vessel of honor here to walk in the purposes of God, you see your decisions out there won't reflect that. It, it won't. And so you have, it has to start there. Because Jesus turned his disciples, when he called the disciples, I mean, there was fishermen, tax collectors. They weren't people that you would look to and say, wow, I could see why he picked them. But he transformed them. But they had a decision because one of them didn't. One of them walked with Jesus, just like the other 11, but yet he faked it. That's Judas. You see what I mean? He was with them, but not of them. He became a vessel of dishonor. And so we all have the choice, but see, I want it to be a choice. It's not just like, oh my goodness, heavy choice. It's like, oh my goodness, I've been called. Woo! I haven't been called to attend church. I've been called to be a part of it, to serve in it, to apply my gifts both here and out there, that I have good works to walk in that transcend any place that I am in, that transcend your regular responsibilities I have as an adult, as a teenager, as a student, whatever it is. See, those works follow you. I mean, come on. Now watch what he says. So right after that, he goes, now flee also youthful lusts. He's talking to an adult. Timothy was young, but he was still an adult. But we all, all still struggle with this. Immature lusts, lusts that are about, really, it's about self-serving. Flee, what's he say? He says, flee, flee. Not stand and just try to battle it on your own, but flee. And then what? Pursue righteousness. And how do we know what righteousness is? We find it in here. It's a reflection of God himself. It's the ways of God. It says this is the way you were created. And in these ways are life. And as you pursue them, meaning they have to be pursued. You know what I mean? You're not just going to wake up. Holy, even though you are spiritually, your mind isn't all of a sudden, I want to do righteous things all the time. Wow, I have a righteous perspective all of a sudden on every aspect of my life. It takes time. It's called sanctification. But you have to, what, pursue it. Right? Like when you pursued me. (laughs) As far as I kept running, she kept catching up. And she would show up at night, knocking on my windows. And <laughs> I'm kidding. I was just seeing if you all were awake. <laughs> but then it says pursue. We're going to land on this one a little bit. We landed on it a little bit at the worship night. It says faith. Can you get back to that one? Pursue faith, pursue love, 
and peace with all those who call upon the Lord. That's us right now. Are you pursuing peace with one another? Because it takes work to pursue peace. It's a lot easier to fake it and then talk behind someone's back than to truly pursue peace. Because peace is what unites us. The pursuit of peace is what can give us the ability to stay unified. Meaning peace has to be pursued. And often we're waiting for someone else to pursue us for peace. Well, I'm not doing nothing until they apologize to me. I ain't going to say nothing. I'm just waiting wait right here until they come and show up and they bring me a cake. With those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. And now it says, let's look at this real quick. It says, pursue faith. Now, faith was one of those. I could see how you could pursue righteousness because we have commands. Pursue love. We, we, we know what it is to, to love one another. Peace. But faith, we talked about this a little bit last Sunday again. It was like, how, how do you pursue faith? Because faith, you know, faith is a state of believing, how do you pursue a state of believing? I mean, it kind of didn't make sense as, uh, to me. So I, I dug in a little bit. And so to see this as one of the things we pursue as we flee, it has to be important. It has to be a grounding agent. It has to be a way that produces life. It has to be a way that we become more and more of that vessel and prepared. So how do you pursue faith? And yes, part of it is Joining together and worshiping something you don't see, but you're worshiping in belief. You're coming together and you're allowing the word to wash over you. We allow the word to dictate our lives. We, we believe and hope that this is the way. But it says it has to be pursued. And I can say many of us have gone to church our whole lives, but we really haven't pursued faith. And so, first of all, let's look at the definition of faith so then we can understand more about what it is to pursue faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, and I don't know if I, I might have forgotten to put the verse in. <laughs> Hebrews, now, oh, there it is. <laughs> now, faith is the substance of things what? Say it again. I mean, one more time, we got to get this. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the very substance of hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So let's let that sit there for a second. The evidence of things not seen. So... Hope means to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation, or confidence. Hope, again, is to anticipate, usually with pleasure or confidence. I would dare say, now all of us, we all are hoping for different things, right? And let's not be religious about it. Let's just say, all of us are hoping for different things. Hoping for more money, hoping for this, hoping for health, hoping for that. There's a lot of hope going on in here, right? A lot of hope. And I dare say, when hope is lost, life is lost. 
We were created, we were created to hope. But hope is not focused on what you see or what you have. It's focused on what you do not have. It's a hope focused on something that you so want to believe will happen or so want to believe exists. That's why faith, to pursue faith, is to pursue Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus is hope. Sometimes we pursue Jesus with the hope of other things. Jesus is hope. We've got to hear that. Jesus is hope. So if I were to ask you a question today, it's like, you know, what are you hoping for? No matter what stage of life you're in, what are you hoping for? Now imagine if you said, Jesus. That's it. Jesus. Jesus is hope. Everything we need, everything we desire is found in Jesus Christ. To pursue faith, to pursue hope, is to pursue Jesus. And in Jesus, you find true hope, living hope, lasting hope. And we're going to see hope that does not disappoint. Because everything else that you hope for, when you achieve it, yes, it will produce a little bit of satisfaction, but it's fleeting and it's not a grounding hope. It's not a lasting hope. And then you're on to the next thing. Jesus, God himself, is Hope. I want you to hear this. And it doesn't mean you don't pray for things and submit your requests to God, but ultimately what this is saying, our hope has to be just in Jesus. That's it. But I would say we can get a little skewed. We can get a little off when so much of our walk is about bringing Jesus in saying, I, I, need, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. And still we're, we're operating just as someone that does not have faith in a higher being because we're still using him to say, Lord, yeah, you're good, but that's what I need to be really good. So Jesus, answer my prayer, answer my prayer, answer my prayer, because I need it, I need it. He's like, you don't need it. You need me. You need me. Now, John 14, 1. Watch what Jesus says here. Let not your heart be what? Okay. Anyone ever had a troubled heart? <laughs> you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay, receive this. I go to prepare a place for you. What if I told you that? Right now, you all, I'm all building you a house. It's awesome. Every single one of you, I'm building a house. It's going to be done soon. So just be waiting because it's amazing. It's worth the wait. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. I mean, come on. Where is he pointing? To eternity. To the future. They are about to witness him murdered. 
They're about to witness and see him taken away from them. Their hope that was walking with them. Jesus had embodied so many of their hopes that were misaligned, but he's about to go. And they're like, well, where are you going? He's like, you don't need to worry about where I'm going because I'm coming back for you. But here's the good news where I'm going. I'm preparing a place for you, a mansion for you. And so no matter what's happening, no, I'm coming back and I'm bringing you. And so there's a hope of eternity. In Jesus is found the hope of eternity. That's first and foremost. Who thinks about death every now and then? I hope you do, because it's a reality, that and taxes. You see, for some reason, they thought a lot more about death back then. A lot of what Jesus spoke of was about eternity. A lot of what he, a lot of the context in which he taught was, yes, there's going to be trouble here, but man, I've overcome the world, and more importantly, man, there is an eternity on the other side of this trouble, And it's guaranteed to you because you have faith in me and I am the way, the truth, and the life. So no matter what, know that you are with me and there is an eternity awaiting for you. And that should, at some level, inspire hope for all of us. I don't know about you, but all of a sudden when you're hearing about these earthquakes, you see how unstable our world is at any time, things can just change. Just like that. I mean, I mean, I think it was, you know, Facebook kind of went out the other day and I thought my daughter was going to, you know, have a nervous breakdown. <laughs> like worldwide, all these, I can't, I can't post memes. <sighs> my life, you know, but it's like things like this that we rely on, right? For hope, for life can go like this at any moment, but our hope is steadfast and it transcends all of this. And Jesus was saying, listen, I'm going to a place you can't see, but I am preparing a place for you that you will be with me one day, and I'm going to come get you. Then he goes, and where I am, there you'll be also, and where I go, and know, and the way, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how we can know the way. And then Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. That answers everything. You see, he didn't get specific. All he said was, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All you need to do is pursue me, and you will know what you need to know. All hope is found in me. He did not answer their question specifically. I am the way, the truth, and what? The what? Who wants a little more life? (laughs) Who's aging in here? That we can't help. But the life in you, you can. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hey, Mary, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, I haven't been over. (laughs) Can they see me? (laughs) That's my daughter. I could do that. Romans 8, 18. Now watch this. For I consider that the what? What? Who suffered a little bit? Who may be suffering a little bit right now? Who expects to suffer? (laughs) Yes. Are not worthy to be compared with what? 
which shall be what? Revealed in us when he returns or when we breathe our last. That's a bold statement. Do you see how it's faith-oriented? It's hope-oriented, and it's found in Jesus. Not saying, man, I'm praying that this particular situation and these situations will go away. He's like, no, I just know what I'm suffering is incomparable to the glory that will be revealed. Do we believe this? I mean, it's just like, that's what's on my heart now. I feel like the Lord is just saying, believe it. Don't poke at it. Like, believe it because it's a hope above hope. And we would carry ourselves differently, I guarantee it, if this hope was revealed at new levels. I know we would. I'm going to show you. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Meaning even the trees and the grass and the flowers and everything else, they are suffering. Who's ever lost a tree? Proof. Everything is subjected now to this decay, to this product of sin in the world. It wasn't God's ultimate design. It was infected by the rebellion of mankind. And what he is saying, when we are glorified, when Jesus comes back, and when we are seen in our proper state, everything else also will be. It's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, incorruptible. I mean, think about that. Perfect. Like, perfect. Everything. But now everything is groaning. Anyone aging that maybe groans when they get up in the morning? (laughs) Or every time you sit up? (laughs) Or take a step? (laughs) Or sit down, thank you. (laughs) Or sneeze? Oh! For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning we could get a taste of, I love the glory, I hate saying that because I think of one of my favorite movies, but a taste, a, a sight, an experience of the glory of God now because it's not just an eternal perspective, it's a present perspective. It's a present hope, right? Because the hope of Jesus helps now. The hope of Jesus and that he is working all things together for your good because you are a vessel of honor, that you have been created and prepared for good works, that he is working all things together for his glory, for those who are called. It's a present, a present hope. How is your hope today? It says, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, (laughs) Eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Amen. For we were saved in what? In what? We were saved in this hope. It starts with eternity. It starts with the knowledge of eternity. If the knowledge of eternity wasn't there, why do we need forgiveness of sins? You see? 
if there's no entry fee into heaven, or if there is no heaven, or if there is no eternity, why do we need forgiveness? You see, we come into the kingdom, into the kingdom of light with the hope of eternal life. Because we know we can't earn it in and of ourselves. Oh, I'm a good person. Well, so is everybody in their own mind. But who's the judge of what's good and what's bad? God is. So it's, first of all, it's in this hope that we are saved. Eternity, eternity. We need to start talking more about eternity. And then it goes on. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with persevering. And it's found in who? What? Right. All promises are found in Jesus. Both present and future are found in Jesus. We can't have the hope of eternity without Jesus. We can't have the hope for all things working together for our good without who? Jesus. As we pursue faith, we pursue who? And what is found in Jesus? Good. Who wants a little more hope? Good. Meaning that there is always something to hope for. We never are never full. Right? It's always, it's always, hope has to have an aim. It's always Jesus. I can't understand this, but my aim is Jesus. This is hard, but my aim is Jesus. I just had a horrible diagnosis, but my aim is Jesus. My kids are falling apart. My aim is Jesus. My marriage is falling apart. My aim is Jesus. There are things out of my control. My aim is Jesus. There's a past I can't change. My aim is Jesus. There are feelings I can't control. My aim is Jesus. In him is hope. I don't know, I just feel like we, get, we just need to get, catch fire with this. I mean, no one goes to the mountains and it says, man, I wish I could go to the mountains. You see, that's not how hope works. You don't sit in the mountains and wish you were there. You don't go, oh man, and there you are surrounded by all of God's creation. Going, man, I just, I'm hoping for the mountains. Well, you're here. That's how hope works. So our hope in Jesus is, yes, there's a security in the knowledge of him, but the hope is that in everything that I know I will need, it's found in him. So it pulls you through. So the promises are available in Jesus. So it pulls us, right? That's why we have to pursue it. A lot of us act like we're there. <laughs> no, it takes pursuit. It takes more than intellectual understanding. It takes pursuit. It takes applying. It takes worshiping. It takes the word. It takes prayer. It takes all of this stuff to connect, right, to the hope. Because we spend all of our time anyway working this, don't we? But it's usually how we can fix it. But this is so awesome, though. What's Exodus 3.12. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, he's speaking to Moses, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, 
When I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am. No equal, self-existent, unchanging. I am. I am. Think about God. I, now put, I am your hope. I am your strength. I am your healing. I am your provision. I am your protector. I am your liberator. I am your salvation. I am everything you need. I am that. Everything else is a cheap substitute. I hear that. I am. It's where you get the word Jehovah. I am. If we could really get the importance of this, if we could really just be overwhelmed by what his name speaks, I'm telling you, hope would rise. I am. What's your greatest need right now? Does it, it, I am. I am. You see, I think if there was one point that it would bring home for all of us. Anyone ever all of a sudden wander or struggle with hopelessness? Like something comes up and you're like, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And now you've exhausted everything that you know to do. And things just don't seem to be changing. Is this. Are you pursuing I am? And I am knows who you are. I am came so that you could be. That's it. And then everything else then is calibrated. So it's like, it's like creating the supreme ultimate focus for all of us. And to pursue faith is to pursue Jesus. That's it. Everything else will fall, follow your pursuit of Jesus. And he gives us his instructions on how to do that. So again, I say, who needs some hope? <laughs> Romans 5.1 Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through who? Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory what? In tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character what? Because it forces the perspective. When you are in tribulation, that means you cannot get your way out. Anyone ever been there? You have done everything. And there is nothing changing. There's absolutely nothing you can do. And it says you keep persevering. You keep pursuing. You keep pursuing. You keep pursuing who? Jesus, not the solution. And of course that produces hope because Jesus is hope. Some of you just need to hear that today. 
is to get your mind off the solution and point it towards the author, the author of life and of hope. And you have the spirit within you that can reveal the truth of God. And he goes on to say, now hope does not what? Wow. Sometimes it does in the earthly realm. Anyone ever achieve something and you're like, huh, eh, it's all right. It wasn't like I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Never mind. Now hope does not disappoint because what? The love of I am has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Wow. By the Holy Spirit. Meaning you have the Spirit in you and it will pour out the knowledge of God's love. And in that you will find hope. So what's your go-to when things start going a little crazy? Are you blaming? Are you trying to fix? Are you fixated on a solution? Are you trying to keep your gaze focused on hope, Jesus? And in 2 Peter, here's a great piece of hope here. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Watch this. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of, our, and of Jesus our Lord. Not just an intellectual knowledge, but an experiential knowledge that is revealed through the Spirit of God. As His, watch this, divine power has given to us what? What? All things that pertain to life and godliness, meaning he knows what you need for your life, your true life. And for godliness, meaning the pursuit of righteousness is fulfilled within us through his Holy Spirit that gives us the ability and discernment to walk according to those ways, but more importantly, life. And any youngsters in here that might be dating, look to that person and say, you, aren't not, you will not be my life. <laughs> That's the big, big misconception. No one can substitute the life and hope of Jesus Christ. No one. No one. It's found, everything we need is found in him. Through the what? The knowledge, here we go, the knowledge of him. How is your knowledge of Jesus? How is your experience with the truth of Jesus? Because that is how hope grows. And then I'm going to read this verse. Love, love, love this. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted what? For Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of what? The knowledge, the experience, the revelation that who we have is the creator. <laughs> Jesus, all things, all successes, all accomplishments, he counts as loss for the abounding knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is our hope and our life and our peace and our strength, our purpose, all things and this does not mean your accomplishments are not worth anything, but they pale in comparison to the knowledge of who? Come on, let's say it with a little more conviction. The knowledge of who? Jesus. Do you believe this, church? Yes. No, you don't. Do you believe this? Yes. 
I don't believe you. Do you believe it? Then let's start living like it. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead." And in 2 Peter, ending on this, 1, 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him, here we go again, who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us, what? Exceedingly great and precious, what? That you may be part, that through them, these, you may be partakers of what? Having escaped, here we go, here's this word again that we started with, the corruption that is in the world through what? We escape it, we flee it, we pursue our hope, and through his spirit, we start experiencing just a piece of the divine nature. We get to partner with God. We get to see as he sees, hear as he sees, act as he sees, feels it. But this comes as we pursue, not just from sitting. So come on, y'all, who do we serve? Jesus. I don't care how old you are. You are not exhausted. You are not through. And those who are young, the sooner you realize that your hope has to be in Jesus, the more trouble you're going to escape. You don't have to dabble to have a testimony. You don't have to dabble to have a testimony. Please don't succumb to the lie of the world that says to find hope is to physically be with somebody else. To find hope, you have to talk and swear like everybody else does. To find hope, you have to accept always. You see what I mean? It's such a lie. Your hope is in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus. Thank you for this word, Lord. I thank you that, Lord, as it went out, I know that it did what it needed to do, and I thank you for that, Jesus. It's not by human effort, but it's by the power of your spirit, the life of your word. And Lord, as it's a double-edged sword, I, as I pray that it reveals in each of us, Lord, what it is that we need to give up and surrender and how to pursue. I pray that you just shine a giant spotlight on those areas that we have compromised where we're not fleeing that we can pursue you, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that as we go into this week, that there's such clear direction for all of us and conviction to pursue you above all else. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your mercy and your grace and for your life, your blood poured out on that cross so that we could stand here today and sit here today and receive your promises and know that they are available as we pursue you, Jehovah. I am. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. That's russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening, and remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.